Guys, welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Happy New Year to you guys. Thank you for all your loyal support, and thank you for listening to this podcast. This is going to be a great episode with John Adams and Kevin Call of High Point Outfitters. We're going to cover a bunch of units uh, in Arizona uh, for elk uh, that for the upcoming draw here, uh, February 13th. I have a a number of great outfitters uh, also going to be following up over the next coming days and coming weeks. So to make sure if you're going to be applying for Arizona that you tune into the podcast to get all of the information from all of the different uh, guys that are going to bring value to this podcast. And I want to thank them for their support as well and their time. Uh, Guys, I want to thank the sponsors of this podcast and remind you the title sponsor, GoHunt.com Insider, has just released their 2018 draw odds, and they are the most accurate draw odds on the market. So if you're going to be applying in Arizona as as well as these other western states, you definitely want to check out the new draw odds uh, for for the upcoming uh, year and upcoming draw. You can go to gohunt.com forward slash jscott and you can sign up right there. If you do so and go to the gohunt.com forward slash jscott, you're going to get a $50 GoHunt Gear Shop gift card uh, right off the bat just for signing up. So go check it out unbelievable resource for western hunters and something that anybody that's applying in the western state should be a go hunt insider member also want to thank kuyu ultralight hunting jason harrison and his crew phonescope.com if you use the j scott promo code excuse me j scott 16 promo code uh, you're going to get a 10 percent discount at all uh, phonescope.com products uh, also the optics authority cody nelson at the outdoorsman's uh, use the J. Scott promo code and you're going to get a 10% discount at products over there at the Outdoorsman's uh, in Phoenix. You can call them at 1-800-291-8065 or you can visit them online at Outdoorsman's.com. Guys, let's get right into this. We're going to talk about a bunch of different units and if you guys have any questions about the draw coming up in Arizona or any other states, uh, give me a call. I'll make sure to get them answered. Excuse me, give me a call, but also send me an email at jscottoutdoors at gmail.com and I'll make sure to get those answered. And any other questions or comments you have about the podcast, I love hearing from you guys, love seeing your success stories, any of your hunting, fishing photos. Uh, please forward them my way. You can also follow along my Instagram page at jscottoutdoors, my associate Dar Colburn, D-A-R-R Colburn, at Dar Colburn uh, on Instagram. We're headed to Mexico here soon, going to be down there for a couple weeks with hunters and clients and looking forward to spending time in the rut down in Sonora. So let's get right to this episode. Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today we're going to have fun. I've got John Adams and Kevin Call with High Point Outfitters out of Flagstaff, Arizona on the line. And we're going to talk about the Arizona elk application deadline of February 13th and talk about these guys' favorite elk units. Guys, how you doing? Doing good. Real good, Jake. Thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely. I've been wanting to have you guys on for some time now and talk about some of your favorite units. So I thought this would be a perfect time here as we're kind of hitting the first of the new year here. 
in moving into 2018 with that every year always means the Arizona uh, elk application season, elk and antelope application season, you know, is always that uh, uh, first part of February. Uh, first question I want to ask you guys is, uh, in previous years, the, the, the applications were all due for all species in, I believe, June or over the summer. And um, they, they switched a few years back to this structure where uh, the elk and antelope would be uh, drawn in uh, February. And from an outfitter's perspective and a hunter's perspective, um, do you think that's a good change and, and, and or and why um, do you think applying for hunts that are, say, in September, October, November, uh, is it a good thing that we're applying, you know, um, in February for those? You know, Jay, um, it's, it's good and bad. I mean, the, the good is, of course, uh, hunters and us as outfitters uh, get, to, uh, to get to book those hunts early. Uh, we can scout early. We know what units we're going to go into, so that's all positive. Uh, of course, the negative, especially like this year, uh, with uh, you know all the great moisture we've had in the last year, you know, we, ha we haven't had any moisture for four months, and so um, it, it would sure be nice to get that spring moisture behind you to kind of get a better feel for what antler growth is going to happen. Uh, you know, rather than having to put in in February and really not knowing what that spring moisture is going, uh, you know, to do. So, you know, I, I guess there's a positive and negative. Uh, the good thing is, of course, we love to have our hunters uh, booked up early. They can start planning. We can start planning. Uh, you know, as, as you know, Jay, I mean, a lot of these antelope and elk hunts are almost turned into once-in-a-lifetime, especially for non-residents. And so, you know, it's, it's great to, especially the archery elk hunts, uh, to have that long to be able to, you know, six months to shoot your bow. You know, we used to have, you know, we were lucky to have six weeks to shoot the bow and get ready for the archery hunt. So there's, you know, there's good and bad. Uh, uh, and I, but I think overall uh, it's good. Uh, unfortunately for us, too, is, I kind of wish the deer draw and sheep draw were in the same time frame because what happens is for us as outfitters, uh, you know, we're booking these late elk hunts uh, over, you know, on top of the late kaibab hunt, for example, uh, and not being able to, uh, or not, you know, basically having to decide whether we want to book late elk hunters or late kaibab hunters and wait for you know, a few months before the deer draw starts. So that that's kind of the plus and minus as we see it, at least, uh, you know, from an outfitter uh, standpoint. Yeah. Another thing, too, is um, I think I helped uh, five people do their, their, their units just today. I'm telling every single one of them, you know, to make sure they buy point guard this year. So that way, if the, um, you know, moisture doesn't come or, you know, we don't get the spring rains like we should or whatever, at least they could turn their tag back in and keep their points to keep on applying. So so that's what I, I, I tell people to put in no matter what and see how it's looking. You know what I mean? You can go all the way up pretty much until the hunt starts. What is it? I think it's 48 hours before the hunt starts. You can give your tag back. Yeah, it's a, it's a short short window. Jay, do you know that for point guard? You know, I don't know the exact, but I don't know the exact time frame uh, specifics, but 
you know, I've been wishing that they did point guard for a long time and have the ability to give your, your tag back. You know, there has been some people out there that says, you know, there's going to be abuse of that. And, and I agree, there probably is. But the benefit, in, in my mind, far outweighs uh, the negative or the downside in that, you know, something happens in your life or you have a tragedy strike or, you know, in the case of, you know, bulls don't grow their antlers and, and you decide this isn't the year, uh, whatever may come up, it gives you the opportunity to, uh, you know, give that tag back uh, and, and, you know, keep your points. Of course, you lose the money for that, uh, uh, you know, the money that you've paid in, but you get to keep your points and you even get a point as if you just applied for points. So, I mean, I think it's a huge deal. I mean, we've all known hunters that, you know, right before the hunt, something happens in their personal life or business life or something that they just cannot make the hunt. And like you said, Kevin, I think it's one of those things that these hunts are once in a lifetime. And it would be sad to know that someone has a, you know, unit 10 early rifle elk hunt and now they can't go on it and the tag just goes to waste. Yeah, yeah. Amen to that. And, you know, people wait for 20, 25 years for these tags and, and then to either draw it in the wrong year or to draw it in a year that you can't, you know, you can't use it. I mean, it, you know, we had a uh, unfortunate situation where a hunter last year had max points on antelope, drew it, and unfortunately passed away right before the hunt. So that, you know, that happens, but at least you, you never have know. an opportunity to, you never know. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, guys, speaking of conditions, um, you guys uh, live in Flagstaff, Arizona, uh, and you talked about drought. Uh, what are the conditions out there? Uh, how were how the conditions going into, let's call the winter, um, you know, with the, with the fall dryness? What are you seeing out there? How do you think it's going to impact, um, you know, we're, like you both said, we're trying to make predictions ahead of time. And, yes, you still get the point guard, but it's fun to kind of speculate and say, how are things now? How bad do you think it will impact not only the health of the elk, but, the, you know, ultimately that their antlers? Or do you think it will be just fine if we get spring rains? I kind of want to hear both your opinions on where you think we are uh, and where you think we will be. Um, I'll go first, this John, but uh, I I would say that it's not, it, as far as horn growth for next year, we're, I don't think we're in that criteria where it's hurting yet. I still think usually we get our biggest, you know, snowstorms, you know, and stuff like that, you know, in, you know, February, March, usually we get still pounded with snow. Um, but usually spring rain, I think, is more more key on antler growth. But, I mean, guinea fish and Arizona Elk Society, everybody has been, you know, hauling water to all these tanks. I mean, if you drive around any tank right now, they're absolutely demolished with tracks. I mean, the mule deer are absolutely pounding it. Um, the, the elk are doing the same exact thing, but I... I would say that it's not it's we're not in, in necessarily a hurt or a crisis yet for horn growth for next year, but you know it, it all depends you know come after February and stuff. I mean, I don't know what your thought, Kevin. You know, I, Jay. I mean, I, to me, I, we've got a couple of good things going for us. 
we had phenomenal summer rains. We've got great grass on the ground and still have good grass on the ground, kind of holdover grass. The bulls went into, uh, uh, you know, into the winter in excellent, excellent shape. Uh, uh, and, and so I think, you know, those are, those are positives. Uh, I think I agree with John that we're not in crisis yet, but, you know, we certainly soon could be. We had a pretty, you know, we had an exceptionally dry fall and exceptionally dry winter so far. Uh, you know, spring, spring rains could turn it around quick, but uh, at least we have good grass on the ground. Uh, you know, water in dirt tanks uh, is pretty well non-existent uh, in, in the Northland, but luckily we've got enough, you know, cattle uh, still being run on the properties and, and uh, water, you know, pumping water and what have you, a variety of ways for elk to get water. Uh, so I think we're still okay, but, you know, it's, uh, you know, shoot, we'd, we'd love to have the winter snows that we've had last year but we you know nothing's coming we always look at the forecast we've got a little bit coming i guess next week but it's minor so we're you know we're still got our fingers crossed good stuff um how much weight do you put into you know you say there's good grass on the ground you say that they're in good shape going into the winter if you know, the temperatures have been fairly warm. We haven't had in hardly any snow. Um, do you feel like that could almost be a positive in the fact that, that, you know, not severe cold temperatures and not tons of snow or their pond to, you know, get to the feed? Um, is, is there any part of you that says, ah, it, it's not going to affect them at all because, you know, they'll make do and, and you know, get enough to keep their bodies uh, pushed through and if, if we you know, I'm curious your thoughts on that. You know, I, I, the deer and antelope side for sure. I mean, I I don't think elk are overly affected by snow, especially. I and mean, we just we just don't get enough here in northern Arizona. You know, compared to as you know, Colorado and our other you know northern states above us. But uh, we we typically just don't get enough snow to really hurt uh, the elk side. But certainly antelope and deer, uh, we can. And you know. Uh, I mean, good grief, uh, Jay, it was uh, 70, 70 degrees yesterday and today. It's just crazy. We're looking at ourselves in Flagstaff, and, you know, people are coming to work in shorts. I mean, it's just it's just unseasonably warm. Um, I, I don't, uh, you know, I, I don't think it's, it's hurting us yet, but, uh, uh, you know, we could have a great summer rain, but, of course, that doesn't help us. It's not going to help us at all with, uh, you know, with antler growth, so, uh, we're we're getting in the critical road, you know, mode a little bit at, at this point, but we've got another, you know, month or so before we really start to. I mean, the, really, the deadline date is is going to give us a, a better indication. You know, we're six weeks out to see kind of what's going to happen there. Do you guys recommend to any of your hunters to wait like until the last week? And you know, a lot of times when I talk to people and they call and. And, and they ask, I say, you know, what does it hurt if you're applying online? What does it hurt to wait to the last week and maybe just see what January does? Maybe all of a sudden we have a big turnaround in January. We get a couple really big storms and then it becomes more, you know, still in a drought, but those storms, you know, kick a bunch of snow and it changes things. I mean, or do you guys fall under the uh, notion that you know get your applications in and early and just get it done uh, Jay we always tell them to wait to the last minute you know I 
it, it, and I don't know anybody would do paper applications, but of course you probably noticed the deadline for the paper application is the end of January. That's crazy. I, I don't know anybody would do paper, but we always tell everybody to do, you know, late in the game uh, with an online application. But I always tell them don't don't wait till the last day. Unfortunately, Arizona is just notorious for you know getting the system screwed up on the last day. I don't know why that happens, but only in Arizona. Uh, but never wait till the last day. But you know that last weekend. I mean, uh, you know, plan on doing it uh, and and getting it done uh, that last weekend. But don't wait for Tuesday the thirteenth because it seems like we always have problems. So there's always things happening with ranches or there could be fires I mean you know there could be anything that could possibly happen that could could change your unit that you're trying to apply for so the better you know the, the more you wait the better I, I think you're gonna learn about something or maybe you never saw that a date flopped around or you know dates moved back or you know you're always gonna catch something we're constantly looking at these regs crunching numbers so for sure. Um, we're going to go over kind of your favorite units and talk about each one of them. Uh, before we do that, is there anything specifically in the regs uh, for elk and antelope that have jumped out at either one of you, um, you know, in, in any way? Is there any surprises or positives or negatives or anything that's jumped out in these new regulations? Um. A few with antelope. I was uh, just having uh, lunch with uh, one of our guides, Shane, and he noticed that that in Unit 5B, you know, like the tags went up on antelope there, and, and in Unit 10 they decreased, um, which I'm glad to see that tags decreased in Unit 10. They've been uh, really putting a hurt on on the antelope in 10. I mean, we uh, we killed some, some good bucks in 10 last year on the antelope, but um it uh I, I did notice that I, i'm excited to see that that seven west is having a early muzzleloader hunt this year um uh excited to see uh see what comes of that hunt um speaking of that hunt is that is that um you know, obviously, I'm not too familiar with Seven West. Obviously, I drive through it to go to Nine. I've never hunted Seven West. Uh, John, is that a hunt that is uh, new? Meaning, have they not had an early rifle or a muzzleloader hunt in Seven West? Man, they haven't had a. I can't remember the last time they've had an early rifle hunt in Seven West. Shoot, it's been probably. Okay. I want to just say seven years off my top of my head. And it was an okay. early rifle hunt back then, and now they did it to a muzzleloader hunt this year. Um, okay. it, dude, there are some phenomenal bulls in Seven West this year. You know, Jay, the, the good thing about that hunt is they're letting the muzzleloaders go first. And I know, you know, they did that in nine, uh, you know, uh, two years ago. or Yeah, two years ago. So, I mean, they're, they're kind of doing that same thing, letting the muzzleloaders go first and then the archery hunters go second. So... Um, okay, yeah. I didn't notice that. I, so yeah, that, let me look here. Be, I'm looking at the reg. So, so seven yeah. west muzzleloader is going to go uh, in front of. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It starts, yeah, it starts nine fourteen. Uh, so that you know that's of course typical archery dates. Uh, so that's uh, you know that's going to go before the archery hunt. Uh, the, the other thing, as as you as you know, they they rotate these early rifle hunts around. Uh, 
you know, in Region 2 every year. Uh, and they, you know, of course, 6A this year is going to be, uh, you know, the new one that they've thrown. Last year was 7 East, so they've thrown an early rifle hunt in 6A. Not a typical unit where there's a lot of big bulls, but, of course, as you know, there's a, there's a lot of bulls on that hunt. Uh, that will be a good hunt for, you know, for a lot of people. Uh, with 30 tags, that should be a, you know, should be a dynamite hunt, uh, early 6A hunt, uh, which is new this year uh, with the typical rotation that uh, Region 2 always does. But those hunts are, are super hard to try to figure out how many points it's going to take to guarantee those hunts. Um, last year was also 5B North, too, yeah. and that was a bomber hunt. Yeah. Um, killed, a, killed a really good bull during that hunt in the 5B North early rifle hunt. So, um, but... I don't know. Has anything jumped out to you in the regs? You know, the one thing that I, it's not necessarily jumping out, but it was something that I was happy to see. Um, you know, I, I'm spoiled. I'll be the first one to admit. I, I used to hunt Unit 10 when it was in its what I call prime. And, you know, I think the last best year we've had was 2005. Uh, I was fortunate to have a tag. That's the last elk tag I've had in the state of Arizona. Um, but I was happy to see the tag, the archery tag, stay at 100, where last year was the first year they bumped them back to 100. Uh, you know, we got as high as 200 tags in Unit 10, and we got as high as 100 early rifle tags. It's hard for me to see a Unit 10 when I've seen it in such, as you guys have, just so incredible to watch it go through the pressure that it faced. And I understand they had too many bulls and they were trying to kill more elk. Um, but from a quality standpoint, from someone who loves looking at trophy bulls, it was a little, the pill was a little bit hard to swallow because of the numbers of tags. And, you know, I feel fortunate that I wasn't in there when it, you know, was 200 archers and 100 early rifle. I, I just didn't even go up there. But um, I was real happy to see Unit 10 late hunt numbers come down and the archery tags stay at 100. Why don't we just jump into, before you guys respond on that, you know, let's just jump into Unit 10 and talk about your thoughts on them keeping that archery tag at 100. Um, I'm, I'm actually really excited to see the numbers drop in uh, Unit 10. I actually got uh, lucky last year to have uh, early rifle bull tag in unit 10. Um, and uh, the, the age class is definitely coming back up in 10. You can tell just in, in them decreasing the tags, um, you know, you're eligible to pass up, you know, multiple bulls every day, you know, quality bulls and stuff. So the pressure is awesome not having, you know, five guys glassing on a hill, uh, you know, because there might only be 40 early rifle bull tags, but, you know, each one of those guys is bringing their aunt, grandma, two glassers, you know what I mean? So you can cover up that unit pretty fast still with 100, you know, and 200 archery tags or 100 early rifle bull tags that they used to have a few years back. Um, the, the, the tag numbers decreasing has I'm I'm super excited to see what this year brings. There there is actually quite a few bulls that that did not get killed last year, um, and and I'm excited to see what they're going to look like this year. So unit ten does you know like with the moisture thing, unit ten 
really doesn't get affected that much considering how most of Unit 10 is ranch land and cattle ground where they're pumping water all over the place. It, it, it's not really affected that bad by by no moisture. So, um, you know, Jay, the nice thing, I mean, this is the third year in a row that we're at 40 tags on the early hunt. That's good. Uh, fifth, 2015 was the last year we had 100, and that was a disaster. So uh, it's good to see that and good to, as you point out, keep the keep the archery hunt the same and reduce uh, down to 350, which is a 50 tag reduction on the general late hunt. And, and it's always good, uh, you know, to keep those tag numbers consistent. And that's a nice thing that they've done with nine. Unit nine hasn't changed tag numbers forever. Uh, they, for whatever reason, they fooled around with 10 a little bit. And, uh, you know, we're confident that they'll just keep it uh, at the current tag levels. Uh, we're in good shape. We definitely saw an increase, a uh, better, you know, bump up a little bit last year from the prior year. So I think it'll just keep moving in that direction uh, if they keep the tags where they're at. Let's talk a little bit about Unit 10. With um, As you know, there's uh, several private ranches in Unit 10, and then there's some forest ground. Uh, and, and, you know, half of the Unit 10 is made up of the Bokeus Ranch, and uh, they started uh, doing a, a, a fee structure where each hunter... Uh, had to pay to get on the ranch. Each outfitter had to pay to get on the ranch. Uh, even helpers that came, I, I want to say they either limited or, uh, if not limited, made each one of the helpers pay as well. Um, you know, in general, what have you noticed? Has it made the hunting better, worse? Um, what are your thoughts on the, uh, you know, the, the tag or the, the, the fees to hunt there? Uh, and what has been your overall sense on the ground there? Um, I do I do think it's kind of funny uh, about the outfitter uh, thing. Uh, you, you really don't see that many outfitters hunting on the Big Bow Ranch because to get access on the Big Bow Ranch, you have to, you know, have insurance and, and you know, liability and all that stuff. And, you know, it... It, it is kind of nice seeing how, you know, not saying that they didn't book hunts. I'm just saying it is nice, you know, to, that they actually do check, you know, each legit outfitter out there before they give them access onto the ranch. Um, so I do think that that also helps. Um, but as far as the, the money, like we pay $300, uh, or it is actually 500. It used to be 300. It is 500. It's been 500 the last two years. Uh, yeah, two or three, yeah. Two or three years. Now, uh, is that, John, is that per hunt? Like if you're guiding a hunt, or is that a $500 fee for an outfitter one time for the year? Yeah, one time. Yep, one time. Okay. And, okay. and you know, we don't, we don't push that cost off to our hunters. Um, me and Kevin have had, you know, have talked about it a bunch do you know do you make the first guy that's booking with you pay that fee do you make the second guy do you divide it up evenly throughout the hunts and you know we, we do so many hunts in unit 10 that you know it's just it, it's a it's pretty much a wash it, it you know it might cost you an extra 100 bucks per hunter or something or, or whatever it's just it is what it is it it uh um it it, it's not saying that you're that's the only place you're going to hunt, but it is a very good option to keep if you're going to hunt Unit 10 to to just go ahead and 
paid up front. You might be, you know, hunting on the babbits. You might be hunting, you know, on the pairing. You might be hunting, you know, in the forest. You might be hunting on the big bokeas. Who, who knows? But just to make sure you're legit on every single, you know, section you could hunt in Unit 10. And it is cut up pretty bad. So, you know, Jay, I, you know, uh, go ahead, Kevin. Yeah, Jay, I, Jay, I, I well, you know, the, the thing I always tell the hunters is, uh, you know, why, I mean, if you get a drawn for Unit 10, why uh, automatically kick off, you know, half the half the unit, um, uh, out of, you know, and not be able to hunt it? So that's, you know, that's just crazy. Um, and so we, we try to get that done. Um, just what I'm saying. All in yeah, I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to kill my, I'm in my, we're in my office, so let me try to kill my office phone. Sorry about that. That's right. Um, and, uh, it, you know, really it's been, uh, it's been a positive thing, uh, for us to be able to, uh, you know, the nice thing about hunting the Bokeas uh, versus, uh, versus on the forest or what have you, of course, forest service permits are just as much of a pain, uh, and you've got to move camp every 10 days and that it's just crazy, you know, so you don't have that problem, uh, when you're, you know, when you're on the, uh, you know the other areas uh, in town, so it just determines. Really, we hunt wherever we scout and find the bulls we want to hunt or antelope we want to hunt. That's where we camp. That's where we hunt, uh, and we just tell everybody get a permit because you never know when you're going to end up during the hunt. So that's how that's how we do it. And you know, really, eighty dollars shouldn't uh, make or break somebody on a hunt, uh, especially the type of hunts we're doing. I mean, they've taken they they got so much money invested in time and effort and points to get these tags, uh, you know, we, we typically do not run into a problem to get a, you know, $80 permit. When the ranch first become fee-based, um, you know, it was a big uproar and, and have things settled down. And what is it that you think has gotten, that got people the most riled up about it? I don't. I don't think it's necessarily settled down. There are people that despise um, the ranch. Um, the biggest thing that that people are upset about is half of that ranch is state trust land, so which belongs to me and you. You know what I mean? Um, but it's landlocked, and Arizona has um, in the law where you can't corner hop. So there could be a you know a a five-mile section in the middle of, of that ranch that, you know, you should be able to hunt, but you can't even access it because it's landlocked. So, uh, you know, as far as that, no, that's still sour with everybody. You know what I mean? Um, but as far as uh, them not shutting, they can, they can shut the whole ranch down. So the fact that they haven't shut the ranch down, um, you know, you got to feel grateful about that. You know what I mean? Like, uh, um, you know, I want my kids to hunt it. I don't care if I got to pay, you know, uh, I hope they're not listening to this podcast. <laughs> but, you know, I, I don't care if I got to pay 500 bucks to let my kids hunt that ranch one of these days. You know what I mean? Like, I'll pay it. My son's, you know, going to be hunting with me uh, in 2018. He turns uh, 10, so, and he's guaranteed a, uh, you know, a unit 10 tag. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll pay what it takes to, to, to have him at least hunt at one time. You know what I mean? Yeah. As far as, 
As far as you guys guiding in Unit 10 on the Boquias Ranch, since they started the fee structure, have you noticed less pressure, more pressure, better hunting experience, worse hunting experience, like or no change? What what, what are you seeing out there? You know, Jay, to, to me, I mean, it, it's all related to the tag numbers. That's where we've seen the, you know, the fluctuation. Of course, when there's 100 early rifle tag holders is when you run into people. So I think it's more tag number related uh, and a lot less uh, who's going to, you know, uh, purchase a permit. It's my understanding that the cow permit guys, um, you know, are seeing a lot less pressure uh on uh, on the ranch of course we don't do that hunt much uh, uh but you know people were like well we don't have to pay 80 dollars to go get a cow we can kill a cow anywhere in the unit and so they weren't buying the permit but for the bull hunts that we do uh i i don't think it's i don't think it's changed uh uh the the number of folks that are on the you know on the ranch i think it's about the same number um that's you know being of course fluctuated with the overall tag numbers of the state don't you think I mean, yeah well a lot of people were saying oh we're going to boycott the ranch we're not going to pay the fee we're going to show them you know how you know what what we're going to do we're going to you know not buy tags whatever and then you you sit there and talk to the ranch manager and on the early rifle bull tags you know there was one person that didn't buy a permit or you know on the archery archery tags there was five people that didn't buy a permit and it's just like dude no matter what every single person is doing their research they know what they're getting into before they you know they draw a unit 10 tag where i think that was a big scare or why people were so upset is because they made that change that very first year halfway in to people already having their tag in their pocket you know what i mean so they were they were pretty upset that all of a sudden, wait, I didn't know I was going to have to pay, uh, back then I think it was 60 bucks. You know, I, I didn't know I was going to have to pay 60 bucks to hunt the, to hunt the ranch. And if I would have known that, I wouldn't have wasted my points, you know, drawing a unit 10 tag. You know what I mean? Sure, sure. Would you guys agree that in a year like this when it's dry and those water tanks, not the dirt tanks, but the water system like on the Bokeas that the water troughs and, and the extensive water system where on a dry year like this, you guys talked earlier about, you know, Unit 10 having plenty of drinking water uh, for the cattle and for the, for the um, elk and deer and wildlife and such. On years like this, it's places like that that kind of, in my mind, you remember that, oh, this is pretty, pretty good for our wildlife in the fact that when it's wet all over, you don't place the value on, hey, there's someone from the Boquias Ranch or whatever ranch it may be in, in other units that are maintaining the waters, maintaining the windmills, maintaining this, you know, in speaking about the Boquias, extensive water program that's going direct benefit to our elk. And I think that's something that kind of gets overshadowed. Curious, you guys' thoughts? But Jay, hands hands down. I mean, it's huge for uh, for wildlife to have all that water source and water system that uh, the Boquias, uh, you know, has and the Babbitts. Uh, 
it's it's key to the resource out there for sure. I mean, that's what's lacking in Unit Nine um, is you know having uh, uh, all the cattle uh, catchment waters that are out there. Uh, it, it's a huge di- a huge deal. Of course, the game and fish and you and I. Uh, with you know, with heritage funds, are paying uh, have have paid to fix that resource on the Bokea specifically in exchange for you know uh, long term access uh, opportunities for hunters. The game and fish have uh, put a lot of money uh, into that water source uh, to fix that water source because it was done. Uh, I don't know, 50s, 60s, and it was all you know completed, of course, with uh, galvanized pipe. It's all failing. And so now they're replacing all of it with uh, polypropylene, and uh, the Game of Fish is paying for a lot of that replacement, is my understanding. So, you know, the Game of Fish has stepped up uh, to keep access for hunters, but has also stepped up to help, you know, with the water source that not only helps the cattle, but greatly uh, benefits the wildlife as well. Good stuff. Uh, Speaking of Unit 10, go ahead. Oh, it, people! People say you know they they want they want trophy hunts and you know if there's if game and fish manages trophy units or or whatever, um, they're willing to pay more money to have a good hunting experience. You know what I mean? To hunt age class. You know, people are wanting better hunting experiences. Well, the Bokeas is technically offering them that type of trophy hunt. You know what I mean? Um, so I. Yeah, I, I think they're doing a good thing. They're 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 managing that unit as a trophy unit, whether they know it or not. You know what I mean? But but no matter what, they're managing unit ten on the Bokeas as a trophy unit. You know, Game and Fish might not be seeing it that way, but the Bokeas is. So. They, you know, all the ranch hands call them cockroaches out there, all the elk. Um, they, they hate them breaking their fences and drinking their water and, you know, all that. The ranch hands are, are great people, super nice people. It's just, it's just funny whenever you're a ranch hand and you're trying to raise cattle and you got hunters hunting the same exact section of dirt, you're wanting, you know, awesome elk and they're wanting all the elk out of there. You, you see what I'm saying? Sure, sure. Sure. Um, let's jump back to, do you both agree that the trophy quality in 10, if we can get some spring moisture, if we can get some early, you know, early green up, even with the drought we have, do you feel like the trophy quality trend is on the way up in Unit 10? Absolutely. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Next question is, <laughs> In your mind, as far as an archery elk hunt, you guys may have differing answers, but if you had to pick one archery elk hunt in the state, which one would you want the most? Whatever whatever unit you want and why. Well, I'll go first, but our answers are probably going to be the same because, I mean... We personally put in for Unit 10 all the time, by, you know, on our own. Uh, early rifle first, archery second. We've been doing it for years. Uh, we moved, I moved away from nine, uh, oh, probably 10 years ago just because of, you know, so much uh, hunting pressure, so much, uh, so, so many problems out of nine. I wanted to hunt on my own. Uh, it's easily done in Unit 10. Uh, 
you can get away from crowds. You can get away from uh, other people. You can target bulls. You can see the bull that you uh, have an opportunity to harvest, uh, and you can watch him for an hour before you actually stalk him. Uh, like in Unit 9, they're generally in the cedars. You're lucky if you get to see him before you spend all day chasing him and then figure out he's not worth shooting. So you, we don't have any of those problems in, uh, in 10. It's, it's a little more open country, a little more glassable. Um, you know the type of bulls that are there. You can generally relocate bulls uh, because it's, it's open enough that you can glass. If you're a glasser, Unit 10 is a dream. Uh, we don't get as much uh, calling pressure in 10, so the bulls are pretty susceptible to calls. You know, every year uh, it's not unusual to you know, call a bull elk from a mile across the flat, and it's kind of fun to see him coming that far away. I mean, it, it's just, we, you know, Unit 10, I think, just has kind of grown on me. It's certainly a unit that grows on you over time. Uh, you learn how to, you know, you learn how to hunt it a little better. There's always little pockets of elk. I mean, just as an example, it's not an archery hunt, but on this late elk hunt this past year, we found I found a little pocket. Uh, that I had never hunted before, and I've been hunting it since the 70s. And I found a little spot. We killed a 375 bull out of it. I mean, it's you know, so those types of you know uh, experiences, I guess, in 10 have have certainly uh, bought uh, you know have, have bought me off. Uh, unit 10's the the unit I think is you know the most uh, opportunity, best opportunity for quality elk right now. I think is uh, in Unit 10. What about you, John? Well, I guess uh, I guess what I like about uh, man, I I got twenty seven, twenty three, and ten are all all probably three units that I'd I'd love to have an archery bull tag in. Um, I guess the thing that I could care less about unit nine is there is not one bull in unit nine that doesn't have fifty pictures taken of them. Um, in unit ten, you can actually hunt. You don't know what bull is going to come out. You, I mean, there might be, you might have like three, five years history with one bull. I mean, we've seen multiple bulls year after year after year, um, but there's no trail cam pictures of them. You know what I mean? Like, like the bull I killed last year, there's not one trail cam picture of them. There's not one video of them. Nobody knows what it was. You know what I mean? Like. You can't do that in Unit 9. If somebody kills a, a bull in Unit 9, there's 50 pictures of them from every angle. Uh, the, it, you know, same same goes with 27 and Unit 1 and, you know, 23. Every other unit, there, there's a picture or somebody's got, you know, scope cam footage of them. Unit 9, uh, Unit 10, you can't get in that unit pretty much, you know, until August. So y- you don't know what new bull might come off the res or what new bull might come off the Babbage. You can't run trail cameras on the Babbage. You can't run trail cameras on the Bokeas. So that section of pin is awesome. You can't, you, you don't know what bull's going to show up. And, and most of the time in unit 10, they don't even show up until the rut starts anyways. So it's kind of cool every year to, to hunt unit 10 um, and not know, know really what bull's going to show up. So I do like that. But you bring up a good and twenty-seven. You know, do have uh, do have a close running for uh, for unit ten. So 
You bring up a good point, um, and and bear with me, guys. My sore throat, my my voice is kind of leaving me here. But you bring up a good point in you know it seems as though technology has given us so many advantages, and uh, you know it's fun to track trail cameras. It's fun to run a string of cameras. It's you know you learn a lot. You become more effective. You become more efficient. I get it. But curious on you guys' opinion from a standpoint of can we as hunters take it too far? Have we gotten to that point yet? You know, and, you know, it seems like everybody's at a different maturity level with their own personal hunting and own opinions. You know, have we overcooked it? Do we still have a long way to go? Will we ever need to rein it back and say, what are, why are we doing this? Just kind of curious your thoughts on the whole aspect from technology, whether it be trail cameras, you know, across the board, you know, what are your thoughts as far as, as, as a group? Have we overcooked this? Are we not even close? And, you know, is there a breaking point someplace where we have to step back and say enough's enough? Or have we not even scratched the surface? I would say that uh, that us as as guides uh, from the majority of the guides I have talked to, all of us are fine getting rid of trail cameras. The only reason we run trail cameras are to keep up to make sure that you're you're putting in every bit of work in 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 you know making sure for your client. You know, for your client to know every mm -hmm. single thing that you could have done for his tag that he's waited, you know, a lifetime for. But um, I would like to see him, you know, get rid of, uh, you know, ban him in Arizona or whatever you got to do. I mean, it's it's such a pain in the rear end to run ding trail cameras anyways. Um, the only reason why we run them is just because if you don't run them, you're losing out on that information that another outfitter might have on you. So, uh, you know, as far as that aspect, I think I think across the board we're fine getting rid of them. Um, I I do I do like the fact that you know there are some bulls that don't have trail cam pictures taken of them. Um, it it, it kind of takes takes the fun out of it um i'll give you an example okay so we ran we ran um trail cameras on the kaibab from one end of the kaibab to the other this year um we were getting um 4, to 6,000 pictures a week on our trail cameras on the kaibab because of how dry it was in those deer we literally knew I mean, not every single buck was there, but I mean, I would say we, you know, seventy-five percent of the bucks that were there on the Kaibab, we have, you know, maybe pictures of. Or, you know, I'm not like, you know, this is one of the things yeah. where you can get technical. Maybe it's seventy-one percent or whatever, but um, a vast majority. Yeah, and and there was there was a tank that was getting hit on the Kaibab so hard. But the bit, the the only there's only one buck hitting that tank, and it was a little two point. And there was a poor old man that was sitting that tank every single day because of how hard it was getting hit. There was deer on it all day, every day. There was only one buck hitting that tank, and we knew that because of a trail camera. You know, like it was. It, 
I wanted to go tell him, you know, that, that he was wasting his time sitting this dang tank because there wasn't a buck that has hit it in a month. You know what I mean? But yeah. but at the same exact time, it's just like, well, you know, he didn't put in the work. And But at the same exact time, like, whatever happened to getting out of, of, of a place and, and checking to see if there's a buck track, what happened to seeing – you know, you know where where the deer are coming in from, or you know, even if there is a buck track on the tank, you know, how big is the buck track? I mean, I can't remember the last time I looked on the ground to to look how big a buck track was. I, you know, like oh, you know, you always hear going out with grandpa hunting. Oh man, you should have saw the size of this buck track. You know, that's out the back. Like I'm just like oh, here goes grandpa's story again. You know what I mean? I could care less about the size of a buck track, but you know. If we didn't have trail cameras, you know, maybe Grandpa could teach me a few things about, you know, looking at a buck track. You know what I mean? Like, I, I so think in, a, in a way, you think there's a sense that's been lost because technology and trail cameras is so good. You know, tracking and some of those details have been kind of swept aside because you just pan through your pictures. Nope, there's no good buck here. Let's keep moving. Absolutely, absolutely. And whenever you're Whenever you're looking or whenever you're hunting, um, if you know that's the buck, you don't even put your spotting scope. You don't even put your 15. You, you just know that buck has a 10-inch kicker off his right side and shoot. You know what I mean? You already know it's yeah. a 210-inch buck. That's the buck we're going for. Shoot that buck. Just shoot. You don't – whatever happened to, like, oh, my gosh, look at that buck, you know, throwing up the spotting scope. Oh, he's got kickers, flyers. He's got this, that, whatever. And then it runs away, and your buddy asks you the next day how big he was, and and you have nothing to prove to him. You're just like, dude, he's <laughs> giant. You know what I mean? Whatever happened yeah. in those days? You know, nowadays yeah. you're like, oh, this is the buck. That's the bull that I was hunting. Oh, if you go on this guy's social media account, that's the bull that I was hunting. Uh, he has video of him. You know, whatever. Like, I think technology has totally taken hunting way away from what it used to be. In a bad way. You know, Jay, one, one thing, I mean, I, I love trail cameras. I love to see the pictures. I love, you know, all of that. One thing that I don't miss, um, uh, of course, we spent a lot of time in 10 elk hunting, and uh, we can't, you know, run pictures or run cameras on the majority of the unit 10. And it has saved us a ton, a ton, of, ton of money, a ton of wear and tear on our vehicles. You know, don't have to worry about losing trail cameras. Don't have to worry about staying up all night during the hunt looking at trail camera pictures. You know, on and on and on. So there's a there's a real positive in a unit that uh, in, you know no longer uh, you know you can run tel- you, ba- you basically can't run trail cameras uh, except in the national forest. So uh, you know there there's some positives for uh, for at least for on an outfitter side of all those you know. Uh, things that you have to do when you run tail cam. I mean, they don't they don't set themselves up for free, or they don't set themselves up, you know, with no time and you know taking them down. And I mean, there's just a it, it's just a you know there's a lot of work when tel- when you throw up tail cam. Good stuff. Um, I got a question about the uh, unit ten uh, late archery hunt, and then the. Unit 10, uh, I believe they have a late muzzleloader hunt. How are those hunts, number one, and do you think that's a good opportunity to target a big bull? 
the late muzzleloader hunt in the past has been, and what's weird is they put that late muzzleloader hunt before the late archery elk hunt. So most people don't realize that. But, you know, you're going in with pretty, you know, nowadays they got those ultimate muzzleloaders that shoot 500 yards, and then the very next day you got to try to shoot them with a bow. So, you know, that that late muzzleloader hunt we we have done good in the past. Um, we did not have a hunter on that hunt last year. We had um, um, a, two buddies that hunted it, and uh, um, one killed a, a decent bull, like a 350 bull, and the other one didn't kill a bull. So um, to say what it was last year, uh, none of us were on it, but uh, in the years past, it's been really awesome. So. But you would be afraid this year with the muzzleloader hunt in 10 going November 9th to the 15th and then the late archery starting after that, you would say the muzzleloader hunt's going to be a much better hunt and that you're only scared off of that late archery because it's severely pressured, like, it, it, it would be a tough hunt. Yeah, the, the last few years they put that archery hunt behind the muzzleloader hunt, so that's, that, that's been that way for a while. Uh, Jay, I mean, when they first started that muzzleloader hunt, there was 25 tags in. Uh, the first year that they did it, we had a phenomenal hunt. Uh, you know, my son guided that hunt, and Blake told me, hey, that's, that's the best hunt I have ever been on. And uh, he drew the tag himself uh, the next year. So it's uh, that muzzleloader hunt can be good, uh, especially if it's dry and they're, you know, like this year they're concentrated on water. It would have been a good hunt. If there's snow on the ground, you know, that's a little tougher hunt. So a little bit contingent upon the weather conditions. But it can be a good hunt. There's 75 tags this year. Uh, that's what it's been lately. So it's it's not a 25-tag hunt like it used to be. Uh, and uh, But it, it, it's a good hunt. You guys had mentioned that uh, uh, Unit 7 West, let's, let's bounce away from 10 right now. And so... I believe they started in nine, I believe last year, then they did unit 27. They put the, the firearm hunt in front of the archery hunt. It looks like this year, seven West is going to be the, you know, the muzzleloader dream hunt, so to speak. It's going to go in front of the archers. Uh, 25 tags on that seven West hunt. Do you feel like uh, that is one of the best hunts this upcoming 2018 season, I mean, as far as potential to kill a trophy bull, do you think Seven West muzzleloader is the is the ticket? Um, I do think Seven West is going to be an awesome, awesome hunt this year. Um, I, you know, I live maybe, me and Kevin actually live, you could drive to Seven West and shoot three minutes from our house maybe or whatever. Um, so I always go out there, you know, video the bulls in velvet and go out there and, and, and see, see how they're doing and stuff like that. But there was some phenomenal bulls in seven West this year. Actually, there's always been phenomenal bulls in seven West. They're, they're hit a little, a little dip, uh, three years ago in seven West where I couldn't find a good bull in seven West, but. Um, this year there, there, there was some solid bulls. Actually, one of, uh, 
one of our, our uh, guides, Chris's, uh, you can actually find him on Instagram or whatever, um, but his uh, cousin just killed a bull out of Seven West last year during the archery hunt. I think it, and uh, Shane just uh, officialed it. I think it went 417 um, out of Seven West last year. There's actually, and then you can go on, uh, there, there's there's some some serious stud bulls in Seven West that are going to be this year. Um, I'm actually so there's pretty some bulls, some holdover bulls that are giants. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. A few a few got missed during the archery hunt. What's cool is um, is is this is one thing that you know running trail cameras you get to see what these bulls do. But um, that bull that got killed in Seven West was actually living in Unit Nine. And he traveled, uh, I think, almost like 25 miles to go get his cow. Oh, it was flare. It was the big yep, flared out flare. bull, right? Yep. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So you you can uh, you can just see that stuff with trail cameras. But anyways, um, those bulls that usually people are seeing in trail cameras, you know, in in velvet in Unit Nine, most of the time they end up in Seven East, Ten, or or, or Seven West which is, is pretty cool to see. So, hmm. Interesting. Okay, let's talk about um, kind of the mid-tier units for those guys that are, you know, you've already talked about 10 and 9 and 23 and 27 and, you know, unit 1, you know, the best, best units out there. But let's talk about maybe are there any up-and-comer units um, or units that mid-tier level um, that, that you would say are, you know, you need the guys that are putting in from out of state really need to look at? Yeah, yeah seven, 7 East has gone completely backwards. Used to be a great mid-tier unit. Um, Game and Fish is doing a terrific job uh, completely demolishing that unit, and I hope they're listening <laughs> to this podcast. That's one person I hope is listening to this. Um, and then... Uh, uh, 5B North is a stud mid-tier unit, if not rivaling with some of the upper-end units. Uh, 5B North is a stud of a unit. Um, uh, 6A is, is actually been doing pretty good. I'm actually excited to see what that early rifle hunt does in 6A this year. Um, unit 8 is kind of a mid-tier unit, I would say. Um, but yeah, you could call you could call Unit Eight a mid-tier unit. Why is uh, Unit Eight always kind of the? I'm curious, you guys are local up there. Why is Unit Eight? You know, it it has flashes of of glory, and then it and then it's but it's kind of known as the redheaded buck two stepchild of of you know. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, I mean, it, it never makes it into the, the best mention, but it's kind of always that mid-tier. It, to me, it seems like it has everything, but is it just numbers too many tags? Two, 250 tags this coming year for archery. Yeah, it, it, too many tags. You know, we, we've got a guy that, that loves Unit 8, has done well on the late hunt in Unit 8, um, and, it, you know, it can, it can do pretty well. Uh, but you're right. I mean, it's always just been a step off of some other units uh, just because of tag numbers. You know, Jay, one, one thing that, that's, um, you know, uh, 
you and I and John are just spoiled with elk. And, and you, you talk with people, you know, coming from Colorado or coming from back east or what have you. Unit 8 could be a perfect unit for certain people that, you know, don't have a lot of points. Uh, they just want to come kill a bull. They want to see a lot of elk, you know, that kind of a hunt. And sometimes I have to back myself off and say, hey, th this isn't my hunt. This is this guy's hunt that has never killed a bull before, wants a good experience. You know, He's going to think uh, it's with, phenomenal. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, sometimes, sometimes we, uh, you know, think, well, I would never put in for that unit. Well, that's fine. Don't put in for that unit, but that's you. Somebody else may think it's a phenomenal hunt. We get reminded of that a year, every year, uh, with people that come out and, uh, you know, hunt, you know, a 6A or a, unit eight or a, a unit that's not known for monster elk yeah, they see a 320 bull and they come flying in and you know blowing snot all over at 20 yards i mean they think that's a huge bull and that you know yeah. and it's fun and so you know it's, it's so i just you know i don't know there, there are some units that you can uh you know keep shooting for just like everybody wanting a strip tag i get it but you know you're never going to draw it so get over it and you know draw a hunt that you can hunt so that that's the that's the part of uh, the conversation that I think a lot of non-residents, uh, uh, you know, hear uh, and and can you know help help with draw strategy, which we do every year. We help people get those tags that they can actually draw and they have a phenomenal hunt. It just depends on the type of hunt they're looking for. Okay, when I ask you guys this question, I want you to both think of a word or a phrase of words that first comes to your mind. Okay. The peak get, wilderness hunt in seven <laughs> east. <laughs> it, it pisses me off. Keep it clean, boys. <laughs> Go ahead. I've been hunting it since the seventies and it's just One devastating. Word. Oh, One word. Devastating what they okay, this is devastating. I'll start with that. Just devastating where we're at. Okay, Kevin's word is devastating. What is yours, John? Oh. <laughs> It pisses me off. <laughs> okay, I, you can't stop me there. So, okay, so game and the cat's is, out of the bag already. You might as well clueless, let it completely loose. Completely <laughs> clueless. Completely clueless about that unit. Okay, their whole entire reasoning to to put more tags in that unit, my backyard. You know that's why you know we're both like seriously angry about this. Is is they, they keep on putting, they put like five early rifle bull tags back to back to back to back to back, and they do it every single year. So how in the world are those bulls, they don't realize that those bulls that are on the peaks go down into the low ground, and then that's why they finally, I think they got a hint this year, like a very slight hint that they backed the tags off this year. I don't know if you saw that, but they did back the tags off in 7 East this year. Uh, not even close to what it should have been. If you talk to one person that had that late rifle bull tag in 70s, they they were happy to see a bull on that hunt. Um, and okay, let me ask you a question. Why, what is the problem? Why it's do they aspect. want to get rid of the elk that are it's in the Tagstaff? Or what? It's the so they're trying to save the aspen on the peaks. Is, is there... 
stupid mentality that just lit up in fire five years ago. The whole entire stupid peaks lit up on fire, and then they, they got rid of, and then they kept the elk tags up, and there wasn't any place for the elk to even hide up there anymore where they used to hide, but they kept the tag numbers the exact same, like the same quantity of elk were up there. Oh, dude, don't get it. I'm telling you, that drives me nuts. And they don't listen to any of us locals whenever we complain about it. it they've turned 7 East into a money pit, and they just keep on raking in the money, raking in the money. And they, they demolished that unit, demolished it. Okay, moving on. Um, <laughs> Sorry. That, that, no, that is, if you feel that strong about it, it needs to be said. That's why I asked the question. Um, all right, so you've talked about 5B North. You've talked about 8. You've talked about 7 West being great with the muzzleloader hunt going first. You think some trophy bulls. You've talked about, you know, the peaks getting just absolutely demolished, which has in turn really hurt the rest of 7 East. Um, anything, oh, what about 11M, guys? The second hunt over the first hunt is good, but if you're fine hunting next to uh, hikers and, and dogs and, you know, putting a two-hour stock on an elk to get blown out by by a hiker, you know, the hunt's for you. But it, it, it has been good. There are good quality bulls in, in 11M. Um, you can't shoot a rifle in 11M, so so there are some some decent age class quality bulls. Um, you know, it's it's not a trophy hunt by any means. I mean, if you're willing to shoot a 320, 330 type bull, 280 type bull, then then it's a good hunt. You you just you just have to realize the talk to hunters. You just have to realize that you're going to be hunting very close to Flagstaff, very close to metropolitan areas, most likely, you know, coming up, the elk are coming off golf courses, you know, coming through the, coming through fences, as soon as they jump the fence, you know, you have an opportunity to harvest, I mean, it's, it's a different type of a hunt, you know, bikers, hikers, you know, uh, those types of, uh, it, it's everywhere, so they, they just need to be prepared for that type of a hunt, and you know, do the research, we, too. Yeah, you, you typically don't, think about that when you're hunting, uh, you know, Arizona, you're coming to hunt a, you know, big monster bull out in the open, you know, grasslands or in the cedars. And so as long as they're prepared for that type of a hunt, it can be decent. But it's um, uh, it's amazing the amount of elk that come into my yard or deer that come into my yard as soon as those rifle hunts start uh, in 7 East um, and the hunting pressure starts. I mean, they come right into town. It's incredible. Yeah, and we have I to heard, cage up I heard all. you say, what's that? Oh, we have to cage up all of our trees, and they <laughs> eat our trees, and it, it's it's pretty it's pretty comical. And then and then you know the the archery hunters are sitting in the tree line waiting for them to come out of the meadows, and it, it's pretty fun. I mean, it's a good hunt. I wouldn't say. I, you know, I want to be blowing, you know, a bunch of points or coming to Arizona thinking that you're going to be, you know, backpacking in someplace because you literally park and you walk, you know, a half mile or whatever. You don't need to be in great shape for that hunt. You can stay in a hotel. I heard you, you say the second hunt. I heard you say the second hunt is better than the first. Is that just a rut timing or what? Yep. 
Yeah, the rut, the the elk rut later. Um, later. And it, what's weird is it doesn't reflect that on the on the point system. It actually takes more points to draw the early hunt than it does to draw the late hunt. But I always recommend everybody to put in for the late hunt over the early hunt. So it's like gotcha. the same exact gotcha. thing on 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 most archery hunts. Most of the bulls get killed on the second week. You know what I mean? Let's, we've covered a lot of great ground today. Let's kind of um, wrap up with your successes uh, for your guide service or personally last year, last season, speaking, talking about elk or antelope, either one. Um, any hunts that jump out at you uh, as far as successes for High Point Outfitters? Yeah, I, I just... Um you know, Jay, first of all, I appreciate you having us on. I mean, we, you know, we love uh, northern Arizona, all the units in northern Arizona. We grew up here, so uh, we, you know, we love most of the units. Uh, we talked a lot about 10 just because that's kind of, you know, where we focus today. But uh, we killed some great bulls uh, in 10. We killed uh, four bulls over 380 in 10 this year, our best one being 393. Uh, I don't want to say who killed it, otherwise his head will get bigger. His hat barely fits right now, but um, he's sitting next John to you. Yeah, John killed a great bull uh, this year on the early rifle hunt. Just a reflection on, you know, what it takes to kill a good bull. You've got to stay off the trigger. You got to be willing to go in areas and you know and hunt your tail off. Just a lot of those things. And you guide, so you, I mean, you know, some hunters say that they want to kill a, you know, a three ninety plus bull, but just you know, the, the the effort or the time or the ability is just not there to be able to get it done. But uh, we, you know, we killed some great bulls. We killed a great bull in in 5B North and in uh, 7 East this year. Uh, so we, you know, we have, in fact, our 7 East story is in an uh, uh, in, in epic uh, this month. So people that want to read about that. But it, it's a, uh, it was a good bull. Uh, we killed a good 375 bull on the late hunt in 10. We killed some good bulls in 7 West on the late hunt. So we had a good elk hunt. Uh, it was a good fall for uh, for the elk. And uh, I'll let John uh, talk about uh, antelope. Um, before John talks about antelope, um, let me ask you a question, John, about your bull that you shot. So you had your own 10 tag, and you shot a big bull and from what I heard you say earlier in the story, what you really liked is the fact that you can't run trail cameras, you can't get on the ranch until August, and so it had more of a anticipation. You didn't really, you know, you do your scouting, but there's a little more unknown. Talk a little bit about that and then about your hunt. Okay. Um, yeah, no, it was, it, uh, it was a, it was a great hunt. had my, uh, had my family and friends there helping along, um, and uh, it was it was it was a lot of scouting. I had uh, um, I was hunting uh, antelope with Kate Smith before my hunt in Unit Ten, and then I had I was hunting archery elk with him in Unit Ten before my hunt. He actually drew both tags uh, this year: rifle antelope and archery elk this year, which is kind of amazing to That's do. Come back. Yeah, I know, just call yeah. him what it is. That's scumbag. <laughs> yeah, I like Kate. I think it, you know Kate. Yeah, Kate's a, yeah. Kate's a stud. He's a good people. He uh, good dude. Yeah, both yeah. of those tags. I ha I got to hunt with him, and you know, in the back of my head, you know, actually, what's funny is before before uh, 
you know, he made sure that I promised him that I would not hold any bulls in the back of my pocket, you know, like, like, you know, like keep one for myself. And I promised him and it, dude, we had an unbelievable hunt. Uh, it was, it was an awesome hunt hunting with him, but you know, getting to my hunt and, and, uh, I killed on, on day, I think it was day four. I think I finally killed. Um, I, I passed up, uh, Three uh, three eighty bulls uh, during my hunt, leading up to the bull that I ended up shooting. Um, two of the bulls that uh, that were the better bulls in unit ten got killed uh, during the archery hunt. Um, I think my bull was, you know, from you know just hearsay or you know whatever. I think it was the best bull taken out of out of ten during my hunt, which you know somewhat makes you feel good. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, zero trail cam pictures of it, you know, uh, you know, people didn't know where that bull was, uh, nobody has video of the bull, it, 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 uh, we actually found it when, uh, during Cade's hunt, during his archery hunt, um, he actually, uh, hopefully he doesn't listen to this, but he shot and missed it, and, uh. <laughs> That you know, uh, yeah, Kate, Kate is a good good dude. By the way, I don't know if I mentioned that part yet. He actually found he actually found my bull during his archery hunt. He actually saw it, and and I never saw my bull until I killed him. If if you can believe that, so which is really That's weird. Awesome. But I I hiked in uh, I hiked into that spot nine times looking for that bull just off of Cade's word that it was the was a giant bull. It was what unit 10 you dream for, giant back end, big beans, you know, and, and uh, yeah. So, and I'm like, wait, what? It's bigger than heavy K. You know, we named all these bulls, and he's like, dude, it's bigger than that bull. I'm like, is it bigger than this bull? He's like, dude, it's bigger than that bull. Is it bigger than that? And I'm like, dude, what the heck? You know, so it's driving <laughs> me nuts. You know what I mean? Because super thick. You can only see like 60 yards in front of you. Um, my shot with my rifle was nine, uh, 80 yards. Um, so y you can imagine how thick it is to hunt and, and to kill that bull. And you can hear him screaming right on the other side of the tree. And, and you can't even see him. You know, so it drives you nuts, and then that's another day wasted, and you hike back in again, and it's another day wasted. You hike back in, it was driving. Yeah, because you don't even really know what you're chasing. You're just going off I, Cade's word, which is Cade's word is good, but it's like you. I got to imagine you start questioning yourself, like, what am I doing? Dude, it was driving me nuts, and I would see a bull, and it would be like a like a 380 bull, and I'd be like, nope, that's not him. I'm trusting Cade because you know. We were on some giant bulls during Cade's hunt, you know, and, and you know, it, it, the bull went 393. I thought it was going to, you know, be right at four bills. Um, but whenever I saw him, uh, I knew it was him. I, I knew it was him. Cade's like, dude, he's got giant swords. He's got big beams. His swords, when he looks at you, they tip in. And I'm like, all right, well, that's what I'm looking for. I'm going to find this sucker. I'm not going to stop hunting until I find this sucker. Well, anyways... I ended up finding him, uh, Ben ended up calling him in and it was like 80 yard shot and it's all on video, you know, cause I don't wow. even know what I shot. You can hear it on video. I'm like, what the heck did I just shoot? 
you know, what did I shoot? I don't know what I just shot. And, and that's the thrill of hunting that trail cameras is taking away. I don't know what I shot. You know what I mean? I'm going off of uh, somebody's word of a giant bull living in this area. It, it, it was pretty dang cool. You can hear, I don't know, I'm kind of maybe a little embarrassed to release the video because you can hear all that because literally that's, that's what, what hunting should be. You shouldn't have 30 million trail cam pictures of him. You shouldn't know that... It, He's got, the bull has 27-inch swords, which, I mean, usually you get 20-inch swords, that's great. Usually you get 24-inch swords, that's phenomenal. But to get 27s on swords is unbelievable, you know what I mean? And it's probably a good thing you didn't know you might have panicked like the rest of us would. <laughs> yeah, so, so that was, that was my, my, my best bull to date. It was an awesome hunt. I'm super excited, but... Um, yeah, so that's that. Awesome. Awesome. So uh, awesome. I'll go and I'll go into antelope. Uh, um, Shane uh, Shane killed uh, the best uh, the best antelope killed in the state during the general hunt and almost statewide. Even during all the auction tags, uh, there was the super raffle guy ended up beating uh, Shane's buck. Uh, by two eights um, by the Grimmets. It went 90, 91 and four eights, and the buck that Shane killed uh, out of 5B um, went uh, 91 and two eights official. So um, that's a heck of an antelope during a general hunt. Um, I'd have liked to see what he would have went if we could have shot him, you know, during, you know, whenever all the auction tags are usually shooting their bucks, you know what I mean? When they're all swelled up and not dried out, that buck would have, you know, maybe another inch, maybe two inches more. Um, so Shane was the guide on that hunt. Pete was the hunter, it, and it, that story is in Hunting Pool this month. So if anybody's interested, it's in Hunting Pool. Oh, I didn't know that. Right. That's sweet. So um, what... Um, let's wrap up with what are you seeing as far as antelope? Um, uh, you had successes last year on your antelope hunts. Any, any, any hunts, any antelope hunts that are jumping out at you as, as a must apply for? You know, unit 10, 5B North are, are still, uh, I would say in the top two, uh, units. Um, there are some, some, some good bucks in 5A. Um, don't don't keep that out of uh, out of you know the back of your mind. Um, but if you're looking for an archery hunt, um, you know it, it's it's pretty. Any archery antelope hunt is tough, but um, pretty much any place you can get an antelope tag in Arizona is pretty much going to be pretty good. I mean. Um, there's 80-inch bucks killed in every single unit in Arizona. We just have the genetics to do it in every unit. So if you're wanting to just shoot an antelope, go to Wyoming. If you're wanting a trophy hunt and you have a bunch of points, just keep on holding out until you, you draw a premier tag. Um, unit 9 was, was uh, pretty tough last year. We did kill one 80-inch um, buck out of Unit 9, um, the age class or the whatever you want to call it, I don't know, was pretty tough. Um, uh, unit 7 is is almost comparable with Unit 9 now. It doesn't show it on the points, but I would say they're pretty dang comparable. 
Um, that unit eight muzzle loader, if you're not super high in points, you know, that might be a good option for you. Um, but, you know, any archery tag you can get, you know, obviously takes less points. And if you're proficient with a bow, they're super fun. You know, definitely bring a lot of arrows. Um, usually you can, you can get off a few shots. So, you know, but, but Jay, five, five, five B and 10, uh, are, you know, are really the top two and with five A kind of being number three. I mean, those are the, those are the three top units in the state. Five B is the best unit in the state. Uh, tough to draw. Ten with the number of tags makes it a little easier to draw. So, uh, but 5B and 10, great tags. Good stuff, guys. I want to give you a chance to tell people where they can find you, where they can follow, et cetera, uh, call you, whatever you want to give out. Uh, please feel free to do so. And I just want to thank you for your time and sharing your expertise. And um, I know that listeners are going to enjoy uh, hearing you guys, and, and uh, you know, uh, I did my best to kind of pick into the brain of each one of you, and and I know that's what the listeners enjoy. So go ahead and uh, tell the listeners how they can uh, get more info or what have you. Yeah, our our email is a bit, our email and uh, our website is highpointoutfitters.net is our website highpointoutfitters.net, and then shoot us an email at shoot so s h o o t shoot at highpointoutfitters.net, uh, and we uh, respond back quickly. You can also jump on the Internet uh, or on our website and send an uh, email off of there on a, you know, click the contact button and get a hold of us. So that's the best way uh, to catch us uh, this time of year. Uh, we do return every email we get and every phone call we get, uh, and uh, we'd love to, you know, love to help anybody with any draw strategy or, uh, you know, come, and, come to Arizona and, Get a tag and uh, and hunt. You'll have a you'll have an awesome hunt. Guys, don't forget to sign up for Go Hunt Insider membership and get all of the 2018 the most up to date draw odds, the most accurate draw odds for the state of Arizona. If you're applying, it's imperative to get the great information and be able to make a good decision moving into this draw deadline of February 13th. Go to GoHunt.com forward slash j scott if you do so you're going to get a 50 dollars go hunt gear shop gift card just for signing up uh guys thanks for listening